ready to create and grow the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. A bigger audience, more impact, and a new revenue stream. We'll show you how. I'm Jenny Barcelos. And I'm Sandy Connery. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Welcome, everyone. This is the very first episode of the Soulful MBA podcast. We're so excited that you're joining us. And today's theme is story. So we figured it was just fitting to go ahead and start out this podcast, sharing a little bit about who we are and what the Soulful MBA podcast represents. So without further ado, I'm Jennifer Barcelos, and this is my co-host. Hello, I'm Sandy Connery. And we're here to tell you all about entrepreneurship from our own first meeting. That's right. (laughs) That fateful first meeting. Yeah. So maybe just a little bit of background. So I came to entrepreneurship from a background as an attorney, as a human rights and environmental justice attorney. So maybe a, a pretty circuitous path. I had just had a baby and decided that I wanted to look into new paths to fundraise for my, my work out in the world. And I, I realized that rather than going out and asking foundations or wealthy individuals for resources to support the work that I was doing around the world, I thought, why don't I just figure out how to make money myself? It can't be that hard. I'm in Seattle asking all of these uh, sort of software entrepreneurs and business people, mostly businessmen, for resources all the time. What about if I just figure out how to start a software company myself. So that was really the inkling for me. That's to easy to do. Right, right. Because like, hey, you know, I figure like that's got to be easier than actually like dealing with like, the I, I human rights. Money. Let's, let me just start a software company. That makes a lot of sense. You know, but when you're working on apocalyptic realities out in the world where people are suffering from famine and, you know, like lack of second monsoon seasons and melting permafrost and schools crumbling into the ocean. Like something like starting a software company seems easy in comparison. <laughs> True so, enough. True <laughs> so anyway, so that's kind of like a little bit of a nutshell of my background. And Sandy, why don't you go ahead and share what you were doing before we came together? Sure. So my background has always been very clinical. I, from a very early age, knew that I wanted to be a nurse or a doctor or some something in the healing arts. And uh, so I studied biomechanics and and through a kinesiology program in Ontario, Canada, and ended up working as a a certified podorthist in the end, which means I I saw people for lower limb injuries and uh, foot injuries and made custom orthotics. And uh, towards the end of that career, I also owned um, some brick and mortar retail stores and clinics. So it was very clinical, but it was also very entrepreneurial. And I've always, always owned my own business since I graduated from university. So it comes very natural to me. I can't imagine anyone controlling my income. I'd rather make less and have no ceiling than have a regular paycheck that is that is kind of limited, that does have a ceiling. So, but there came a point where it's just, I just kind of, you know, the, the interest and the love of pedorthics kind of waned away and I wanted to do something different and something interesting and something challenging. And I just started looking for something that got my attention. And I ended up applying to an entrepreneur program online that taught you how to do software because I loved the idea of software uh, where it was no brick and mortar, no staff, no inventory, 
and you would have recurring money, recurring revenue. There was no accounts receivable. And this all seemed like too good to be true from a uh, retail store owner. Uh, as many of you who, who own your own clinics or your own stores or your own studios can appreciate. And that's in that program is where I met, I met you, met Jennifer. Yeah. So just to be clear, we both started our own software companies. We were in the exact same class in a program called the foundation. And we both were doing this on our own in different parts of the world. I was in, living in Nor- a small town in North Carolina at the time when I started Namastream and Sandy lives in Calgary in, in Alberta, Canada. And we met fatefully at the end of a six month journey, like sort of on our own. We met at the live event, which was in Colorado that summer Um, And that was what, about two and a half years ago. So Mm -hmm. it's been a little bit of a wild journey. And I, you know, I just like to talk a little bit about technology and software, because I think our audience is not really in this space. Like the clients we work with on a daily basis are in health and wellness. And I kind of want to talk about the juxtaposition between being both in the health and wellness sector and then also on the technology side and why it's important that we have ties to both. Um, so, so many of you who, who are new, obviously don't know anything about us, but a lot of our clients and, and folks in our community know that Sandy and I both went through yoga teacher training programs and neither of us have ever taught yoga. And so we, we both have been drawn to health and wellness and for various reasons. Um, I was drawn to yoga teacher training. I had, a maybe a decade long practice. I think when I started and I had, I had taken my first yoga class at an ashram in Kathmandu in Nepal when I was uh, spending some time there during a college summer trip. And I was volunteering at an orphanage and doing some hiking and traveling the world and uh, discovered a little flyer for a yoga class on a dusty little road in Kathmandu. <laughs> and that was my, my introduction to yoga, which I think is so funny because it's very different than I think the typical experience in North America or Europe where you're going to, you know, sort of a beautiful fancy studio. I was in like a cement apartment building um, with this man teaching yoga classes in his sweatpants. Um, and it was, you know, just like not glamorous or anything you would imagine. There was like no Lululemon. It was, there was nothing fancy. Um, but I felt this very uh, immediate connection to the practice. And I, and it became a big part of my life. I went back to school, back to college at Berkeley, where I was going for my undergraduate degree and started taking classes there. And yoga was just always something that was like very deeply personal for me and never something that I saw as like a path for a career or anything. Um, but so that's like for me, the health and wellness side and Sandy, why don't you share about your kind of journey into yoga? Yeah, sure. I don't think I've ever told this story. Um, so for health and wellness, that's, that's the only industry that I have ever worked in and it, and it, it comes to me very naturally to work with people and help people and heal people, I think. But when I was, gosh, this was like probably 18, 19 years ago now I was diagnosed with cancer. And when I came out of that, it really wasn't a big deal in the end. And I ended up not doing chemo and not doing radiation, just a very, uh, very aggressive surgery. But that, of course, changes you. And um, my girlfriend, uh, Susan, who you know, is one of our writers on, on Nomstream, uh, she invited me to a class with, let's try this. And I and at the time, it was before Lululemon as well. There was very, very, very few studios here in Calgary, only a few instructors. And from the first class, something something happened. And that was my first exploration into anything kind of quiet and introspective and 
you know, meditation, it was all new to me and it was so beautiful. I could just feel its power over me and I knew that I wanted to continue. So over the few years I practiced here in Calgary at a, at a small little studio and ended up meeting somebody who did teacher training. And I ended up leaving my business for a small period just to take that teacher training. But I had no intention of teaching, just like you. It was more of a deeper study of the philosophy and the, the ideas. And I wanted to understand all the history of it. And to me, Sanskrit is like magic, like pure magic. I just wanted to immerse myself in that language. So, yeah, yeah that's why. And I, I do remember, Jenny, when I, when we were... We were taking that entrepreneur course. Uh, we had not, it was a six month course. We did not speak or meet in that six months, as you said, but you were uh, an example on one of the courses for like, how do you hire a developer or, or something? One of those things. And they, they, they used you as an example. So your voice was recorded and they used you trying to develop a document on how to communicate with the developers. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. right? Yeah. Oh, I remember. I, I remember. I just, you know, it was like the next new lesson. So I clicked it and I was like, who is this? And why did I not think to do something in the yoga space? Because that's my love. Like, who is she that she, you know, but I, it it really wasn't anger. It was more jealousy. Like, oh my God, I wish I was doing that. I wish, and I was working on another niche that I was developing software for, and it still runs today, which is sort of the networking space, which is great, but it does not have the emotional connection for me that something in, that something that we could build to help the yoga industry or health and wellness industry, it doesn't have the same kind of like, Oh, I want to do this, you know? Yeah. Oh no, that I, I, anyway, I'm so glad that we finally <laughs> connected in that you joined our team and that we're partners in this now. Cause I, I got as far as I could on my own, but that's a whole <laughs> other story. But you know, I, I also just wanted to say you, I want to point out you had a background as a college athlete too. Like you, you have a clinical mm-hmm. background and you have an entrepreneurship background, mm-hmm. but you also have a, like, like health and wellness and athleticism is not something new to you in any way. No, so no. I just wanted and, to point just, that out. It's, it's university. This is Canada. It's not college. We say university. Right, right. I was a, un- a university athlete. Yes. Got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah. This is going to come up a lot. I think in the, in this podcast, given the fact that it comes up on a daily basis in our Slack channels and in our interactions. So who knew that there was such big differences culturally and linguistically between the U.S. and Canada. I certainly didn't until working with a Canadian team. But um, anyway, it comes up all the freaking time. Yeah. So anyway, so so that's kind of like the yoga side of our each of our stories. And I, I again, I want to bring up how technology fits in and our attraction, our unique and individual attractions to technology. So like I, I said for myself, I had worked with all of these folks in the software world. Seattle is where I went to law school and where I had lived most of my adult life. And obviously Seattle is the home of Amazon and Microsoft and a ton of other big software companies. It's, it's like another, you know, another kind of Silicon Valley in a way. And so a lot of the folks in my life, the people I went to school with and the people, like I said, I raised money from were in the technology space. They either worked for these big companies or they had started their own startups and sold them. And I just was fascinated by the power that these individuals had in our community and financially. And I just felt like there was something about 
people who are doing technology related work, having a disproportionate amount of say in what was being created in the world and um, both in terms of being created as new technologies, but also, for example, the Gates Foundation is in Seattle um, and the Gates Foundation gets to decide like what public health goals get focused on in the world. And, you know, this man who's really wealthy decides I want to eradicate malaria and I can do that because I am so wealthy. And I, I was fascinated just as a as a social justice lawyer and as a public service oriented person, I was fascinated by the power that these individuals had to kind of shape the world we were living into. Um, and so I, I was drawn to technology, not because of like coding itself, but because of the immense power that it had to make a difference in the world, um, both like in and of itself from a technology perspective, but also from a financial perspective. So that's kind of my, my draw, my other draw to the tech side is like, it's, it's, it's just like the spirit of the ages, like the zeitgeist of, of our culture is technology. You always say it's the power. If you can code, you have the power in this, in this era. Yeah, it's a currency of power. Like I think in a lot of ways, technology and technical prowess is sort of a proxy for money. Like it's it's almost more important. Like the ability to create something with code and to manifest it in the world is is like the equivalent of money or a step better than money. Mm-hmm. That's that's and my beliefs. And I and it's only been reinforced. The longer I've been in the software space, the more that that belief is reinforced for me. It was a, we just, um, in the last eight months, 12 months, we've uh, rebuilt our software company, Nomstream, and it was a fascinating process to, a fr- fascinating and frustrating yeah. to not be able, th- so this is our company and our asset that we're building, but we don't actually have any skill to build it ourselves. And so we are reliant on these developers, where in my old life, if there was, if I had a store and a customer problem or I have a client that's not happy with whatever, I can fix it. I physically go and do the work or I make it happen. But with technology, because you and I are not coders, we're just at the whim of others. And it's, it's a hard place to be. Yeah. I mean, and I would say, you know, we're going to get into this, I think a little bit at the end of that episode, we're certainly not the ones who are designing and coding our software. But I think we both have recognized the value in having those skills. And we both invested various amounts of time in learning those skills. And I, and I think that there's some element of competency that it's important for one or both of us to have on the tech side as well. So, you know, we, I personally am working towards developing that for us so that we don't have this disempowering feeling relative to the kind of tech side of our company. But yeah, I mean, I think for the most part, part of, of being founders of a company means that you kind of don't do the daily grind yourself, right? Like we have team members that do various things for us and we kind of manage it and we each have parts of this work that we do ourselves. But for the most part, I mean, I feel like I, I 90% of the time am just managing what other people are doing. And, um, and that's part of being, you know, the C level of a company, I think is just figuring out that you can't go spend all of your time doing the nitty gritty yourself, or you won't be able to maintain the big picture and the big picture goals of where the business is heading. But that's a, that's another side of things. But I, I just, I think I want to just make the point clear to everyone who's interested in us and our story that, you know, we're, we're both like, we're both the health and wellness 
oriented individuals. And we're also um, really focused on building beautiful technology in, in, a, in a way that's it's well architected, it's thoughtfully designed, and it's, it's meaningful and it's fulfilling the impact that we're, we're hoping to create with it. So, so I think that that's constantly going to be uh, a theme and in this podcast, like that these issues are going to come up all the time. It's con- it's already a theme in our business is like this, this constant back and forth and balancing between yoga, health and wellness, and then technology. Cause like we can go to conferences that are like SaaS focused tech conferences, or we can also go to, and like business conferences. We can also go to like yoga journal conferences, right? Like we're both of those things. And I, I think part of, part of what we're doing is giving ourselves the grace to be able to be in both of those spaces and, and own, own that we're part of both of those spaces. And not many people are doing it. And it's, and I think our clients are kind of fascinated by that. Like you get what I do, but oh my God, how do you know how to do all the other stuff? And it's just day by day, we figure it out. Right. Yeah. Yeah, sure. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is a tool designed to help you teach, train, and coach from anywhere on the planet. If you're a wellness professional looking to take your business to the next level, you can learn more at namastream.com. So, I mean, I think that the some folks might be interested in kind of our specific meeting, Sandy, maybe we should talk about that. So like we were going back to the story, like we're both going through this, this software entrepreneurship program, this very six month intensive process of starting a software company from the ground up in six months. Um, and there's a whole lot of backstory to that process, but we are doing this in, you know, kind of a parallel universe to one another. And then we're in Colorado and lo and behold, we find each other, <laughs> which I think is so fun. Cause I, I think others, maybe, you know, other folks in, in entrepreneurship and business are interested in the partnership side of our journey too. And I think it's important. We should have a whole conversation about that process, but just the initial meeting, like how do you decide, you know, who, who to become a business partner with? Like it's in a lot of ways, it's, it's like a marriage. Like we're financially tied to one another in a very profound way. And we spend a lot of time every single day together, you know? So I feel like we're part of a family where we have like these social and familial and financial bonds. And that's a huge commitment. And I, I think, you know, it's hard to know like how, when that that's an appropriate thing to do, like when to enter into one of those kinds of partnership relationships and how you decide. But for us, I think, you know, we took our time, like we met each other. We instantly connected at this conference. We were some of the only women there, let alone the only women who had successfully built um, what we were about to become software companies. And we like, but we bonded as people first, right? Like as, as like individuals, as humans, um, I think I was crying in a corner mm-hmm. and you came up to me and you know, that's a, like, we don't need to get into why, but it was just like, you're the one person that's like, Oh, there's this woman over in the corner crying. <laughs> Maybe I should go talk to her. Right. Because you're not a sort of, <laughs> I don't know. Cause you're a mm-hmm. human being, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, First yeah. and foremost. Yeah. Yeah. It was a very, that, yeah, that was very a momentous moment, yeah. right. When we, when we met, yeah. but what I, what I love about that weekend that we spent together was we didn't, we, we had, we had uh, met and then we had done like some, uh, we had to do some 
team, like partnership work together. And we just like scrapped whatever they had asked us to do. We just talked, like we talked yeah. really deeply. And then we ended up um, going to dinner and somebody was sitting beside me. And then she was asked to go sit with her team. And I had this blank spot, this blank chair beside me. And it was just like, you, you walk up and, and took the chair, which was so, so, you know, like just the universe was just putting us yeah. together again. But I love, I have this, just this hilarious memory of this table that we sat at with this round table. It was all men at the table and you and I, and we had all just finished this program. You and I ha- were the only ones at the table with the software, um, uh, you know, paying customers for our software that we had created. And these guys had followed the, the content of the course letter by letter. And we, some of it, you know, I think partly, well, a lot of it, cause we we're females. We decided like, that isn't, that's not how I talk or that's not, I, I'm not comfortable doing that. So we took the general ideas, but then we made it ours and spoke in our language and, and, and reached out with the way that we would naturally and comfortably reach out to people like for cold calls and cold emails and so on. And they were, I remember them just like their heads tilting, like you did what? You did it. Why did you, you didn't use this. You did. And they were just all like, huh? And we just looked at each other and we found out we had spiral bound notebooks with like handwritten notes and, uh, you know, highlighters. And this is how we post it. Yeah. Yeah. Post-its everywhere. You know, like we just, it was the, the, the similarities of how we approach this, you know, in our own two worlds, not knowing each other, it was just, it was really uncanny, the similarities. And I think that just really cemented, like she thinks like me, you know? Yeah. Fascinating. And it, and it worked. Like, I think it was also this acknowledgement that like, Mm -hmm. maybe we're on to something because we did something differently and yet we did it sort of the same as each other. And we were the ones in that small sample size that were successful in that moment. Right. So I think there was like, huh, there's something to this. Like there's something to this way of thinking. And I, and, and like this, this to me leads into this conversation about like you and I thinking like, wow, there's something there. Like we need to make something together someday, mm-hmm. not, like mm-hmm. not now, but someday. But also it just, it made me think like, wow, there's, there's something about being female in this space that's different. Like this, this sort of like being a woman in tech is kind of a hot topic right now, but we're, we're different. Like we're sort of like women in tech in this like online business space, which is really unique. Um, like to have all of those things kind of overlapping, yeah. yeah. but it's, I don't know, it's, it's fun. And, and then I think like we just decided, you know, we exchanged information. We like knew how to find each other on Facebook and stuff anyway. And then I think we just were like, Hey, let's keep talking. And we did. And we like just started talking kind of every week or every week. And then it turned into every day. And I actually ended up leaving my mastermind because I was getting more out of talking with you because the similarities were, were, you know, were there. And uh, do you want to tell the story of when we decided to partner? Yeah. I want to tell something else first, which I think is, is worth telling and fascinating that I, Right when I launched Namastream kind of publicly out of beta, the very first still very beta like version now that I think about it, but I financially was not convinced that this was going to work. I partly because we had in my mind been given unfair expectations. We had like sort of had people set unfair expectations about it 
like building a software company in six months is crazy to do it by yourself. Um, and we did it, but then to actually scale it to a point where you're kind of making a living is impossible. Like I will tell anyone it's, it's next to impossible to do that in six months. And so I'm like, it's like nine months after starting the whole journey and you know, like the company's growing, it's exciting. The list is growing. The Facebook ads are working, but I was still, I had started to look for work. I mean, I, I had started to sort of put feelers out and I, through a, a friend and a connection and sort of like my past life, my, my career, I was given like this very lucrative job offer, like in, in a field, like in renewable energy, like in a field that aligned with who I was in my graduate work. And, and I was in this situation and I, in Sandy, like we didn't even know each other very well. And I mm-hmm. remember being like, I need to talk to Sandy. Like, I don't know what to do. This is going to affect my family. Like I, had a, a, like a little toddler, like re- moving to a different state, like all this stuff was going on. And who do I think I need to talk to about this is Sandy. And I just remember you were like, that's great. I'm so happy for you. <laughs> and, great. I, I, yeah, I and I just, and I was it. like, really, really Sandy. Okay, cool. Okay. And then I, um, I ended up walking away from this job and Mostly because I, what I told my husband, which is crazy, is like, I know that I want to build something with Sandy and I don't think I'll ever get to do it if I take this job because I'll be traveling all the time. I'll be like trying to run my company in the off hours. I'm going to have like this huge career. And it was financially, again, very lucrative. And I just, some gut intuitive thing told me don't do it. And, and we like really didn't know each other very well at that point. Like we had talked maybe like 10 times ever, you know? And so like, that's crazy. And I just, I think, so, so there's moments where I think you and I are both very calculated. <laughs> and then there's other moments where, where we're both also very much like, yeah, I know every, every like intellectual thing is pointing me in this one direction, but I don't care because my gut or my mm. heart is off. So, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that conversation clearly. And I was, I was saying, oh, that's great. Yeah. But in my heart, I'm like, don't do it. Don't. <laughs> because I didn't want you to change your path. You know, I liked having yeah. you on the same path as, as I did. I loved our conversations and I knew that that would end. And I didn't want to speak from a selfish standpoint. I wanted you to do what you needed to do for your family, but really I did not want you to take that job. So I remember you, you were like, okay. Uh, and you had made trips up there and then you just called it off. And I was like, Oh, I had rented an apartment. I had, I had started packing my house. Like I, I was committed and I ended up like walking away. And there's other reasons too. Like my husband's job wasn't going to be able, he wasn't going to be able to work remotely. All these signs started to, I started to see all the signs saying like, don't do this, but also like give your company a chance. Like you're nine months in, you launched publicly like a month ago and you're going to walk away from this thing without ever really seeing, you know, like I wasn't going to close Namastream down, but I I wasn't obviously going to give it my heart. I was not going to be able to give it the time it needed to succeed. And so I just, I just like, but, but it was also a big thing. Like the weird like X factor for me was like, I know I want to work with Sandy somehow. I just felt like I need to at least create the space for that to happen. So, so then like a year goes by, right? So then like a lot of other stuff happens. I move back to Seattle. Like we both keep building our own companies and talking. And at this point, like we're talking, like you said, every day, and we're both just like working on our own software companies and talking and helping each other. And, and then Namastream started to get to the point where I couldn't do it by myself anymore. 
or at least I didn't want to. So, um, yeah. So then I had, I had applied for a startup accelerator. We had moved back to Seattle, my family and I had for a variety of reasons. And actually in the accelerator interview process, they like the guys who ran our accelerator thought I was crazy for starting this company by myself. And they were adamant that I needed co-founders. And I was like, Oh, I actually kind of feel like that too. I kind of wish I had someone else working with me on this. And when I got accepted, I was like, there's no way I'm joining this and, and like, and, and like taking on this huge other step in this business without bringing someone on. So that's when I invited you in Sandy. And I was so, so glad you said yes. I was so grateful. You you kind of had um, an acceptance into the accelerator based on you finding a co-founder like right now. Yeah. Right. Well, and I was supposed to find two. Two, actually. right. Yes. Yeah. So that's another story. But. but I also, but I also like wouldn't have done, I mean, I, I was at a point with Namastream kind of a breaking point mm-hmm. where it was like, you were either, unhappy. You were, I was like either go big or stop this thing and walk away because it was just too much for one person to do. Um, kind of from my kitchen table at that mm-hmm. point, like it was exhausting to me. Like there was, there are clients like texting me when I was like out buying ca- a couch you know, and I'm like, I've got like clients like texting my cell phone. It was, it was nonstop, you know, and, and I didn't know how to, you know, I didn't know how to grow a company. I never took that class. I took <laughs> a class on how to start a company and I never took the class on how <laughs> to grow a company. Scaling. Yeah. And, and, and Sandy, you would run, like you successfully run like a million dollar business, right? Like, so you had this, like you had years of experience and actually running a company mm-hmm. with a team and, and like, the complicated things that I didn't and, know and how just to do. like customers, like how to say no, no, and putting yeah. boundaries up and, and, yeah. you know, being okay that sometimes you have to disappoint them. And, and you were all, yeah. you know, very uncomfortable of all, all of that. But yeah, that I, I remember that night so distinctly because you and I were on, well, I, you, you were on probably zoom. We were talking video yeah. chat and I was carrying my laptop around trying to get dinner ready for my family uh, and, and you were telling me the story I had followed, you know, every day you would give me the report of what was happening with the accelerator. Cause there was a bit of a application process, which was fascinating. And it's probably worth explaining that we came this, this business course that we took together was very much rooted in the bootstrap world. You fund it yourself. You do not go and get investors. That's, you know, th- these two yeah. worlds of investment versus bootstrap are very separate and they don't follow the same people and they don't have the same ideas and they're, they're just two different. And they sort of, they universes. sort of like, they sort of can't stand one another. To yeah. Be you either choose, you choose one yeah. camp and you're in with that camp. So we had come from the boot camp world. Um, Jenny was exploring this investment world to, to be able to scale non-stream. And so it was all kind of new and exciting, right? And you got into this and, and we, you knew that you would be put in front of investors. You'd be taught how to pitch. You'd be, and this was like, you know, we talked about some big dollars that would, that we could bring into the company and we ended up, I remember clearly saying like, this will be a story. Like, let's just do this, you know? And then you had had verified with the, the guys that run the accelerator that if you did not want to take the money, that that was an option for you. You were not committed to, you know, partnering equity with investors or angel investors or whatever. So we knew that we had an option to back out if, if we if we chose. So we said, yeah, let's, this is let's an adventure. Let's just do this. And so mm-hmm. I remember my pizza in the oven was burning and the fire alarm was going off and I'm carrying my laptop around the house trying to deal with the smoke out of the oven and, and going, yes, Jenny, let's do it. Yes. I'll come on as a partner. Yes. Okay. Okay. It was just chaos. And then I think your child was screaming in the background and you were just like, Lord, this is, here we go. This is what female entrepreneurship is all about. 
Yeah. Truth. That's like the honest story. It's <laughs> chaos is what it is. Chaos. Mother motherhood entrepreneurship is chaos. Yeah. So I, I mean, and that was like, the, and, and I think we had decided though, you had, we had decided, I was like, Sandy, even if we don't join the accelerator, if we don't accept this mm-hmm. offer, like we're, you're going to join on stream. Like we had, so we yeah. had done that. Like it was, and I knew like, I've got Sandy either way. I'm good. <laughs> and so that was, but that, and that was like, not, that was just over a year ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like 14 months ago. Mm-hmm. Like it's not very mm-hmm. long ago since that happened, but like, I can't, Im- I can't even hardly remember, you know, before, before this time. So, so then anyway, that was like the beginning. So we've, we've essentially been like legit partners in this work for 14 months so this is, this podcast is essentially like, that's our backstory, but this podcast is going to sort of like follow the lessons learned and our current lessons that we're learning as we go forward. Cause I, I think we, we want to do this because we think it will help people, right? Like I wish I could listen to someone's story. You know, I, when I have been able to do that, it's been really powerful. So like the startup podcast was really powerful for me when we were going through that accelerator to hear, especially the journey of two other women who were doing that. But also just like, I, I, I think we've learned a lot of lessons in the three years since, since both of us have started the, this particular entrepreneurship journey where we both started investigating building software companies. And, um, and I've learned a lot about kind of the wellness business side of things in, in that time. And I think, we want to take what we are learning and what we have learned and, and share it with whoever's interested and open. Um, because I, I think we've, we've got something to say, you know, and I think we learn a lot by telling our own stories too. So that's what the soulful MBA podcast is all about. If you're curious about why we're called soulful MBA, we run an online course and training community called soulful MBA, which is, was, which is an auxiliary product to our software. So, if you want to learn more about that, you can go to soulful.mba. And we also have a free Facebook community where we are constantly interacting with folks in the health and wellness space who are looking to build and scale businesses online. If you go to soulful.mba slash Facebook, you can join that free community and get to interact with us in real life, sort of. Real life yeah, Facebook. It's pretty much being real a life. Facebook grow Facebook. In this group. day and yeah, age, Facebook is lo- real life as it gets. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So yeah, anything else we should share with our story? I think I think that's sort of a long conversation to leave folks with. There's there's much more coming after this, but we want to give you a taste of who we are and where we came from. Yeah, no, I think that's that's great. Yeah, and our software is called Namastream. So if you want to look into it, this podcast is sponsored by Namastream. We're at namastream.com, N-A-M-A, and then stream like a river.com. And we'd love to get to know all of you. So what we're going to do at the end of every episode is we're going to share a joy and a hustle. We have a newsletter. Our company runs a newsletter called Joy and Hustle, where every single week we share our favorite blog posts that we wrote that week. And we share something that is has brought us joy to someone or a group of us in our company or and something that we found as a useful tool to hustle in your business. So we're going to do that the same thing on our podcast. And so today, Sandy's going to share a joy and I'm going to share the hustle. So today's joy is something that you introduced me to back when we first started. We had we set some revenue goals for ourselves. And when we reach those goals, we have not yet. When we reach those goals, we are going to go and treat ourselves to Jamie Joseph Rings. 
And I would encourage everyone to go to that website and check these beautiful, beautiful rings out. They're so unique. Actually, you have one, Jenny, right? I have a few. Have, oh, I have a few? I have an addiction <gasps> where we don't need to get into that. I did not know that. I thought you had one, but we went, we went, there's a little kind of boutique in, in Seattle that we visited that actually sells them and they are beautiful. So mm-hmm. that is my joy is uh, a Jamie Joseph ring. Yeah. And I think we are going to go by matching Jamie Joseph rings when we reach this revenue goal, <laughs> which I think will happen soon. Yeah. So, and, and for anyone who's interested, we're going to have links to Jamie Joseph stuff in the show notes. So that's just a little thing that brings us joy. And, and Jamie Joseph is a designer based in Seattle. Her husband, I think is a lapidary. So they like go out on gem hunting missions in the desert and the mountains and they like bring back this raw stone and then the husband carves it. And then the the wife makes these beautiful, like delicious, oversized, um, colorful rings and, and, and necklaces and earrings. Um, so anyway, that's Jamie Joseph. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and then our hustle. And the hustle. Yeah. The hustle today. I just, we had a little bit of a conversation about the importance of technology and, and our own draw to the tech space. So I wanted to share what I found to be one of my favorite resources for learning more about coding and technology. And it's called one month.com. And they're actually a startup themselves. They're based in New York. And I've taken a number of coding classes and technology classes from this site. I've taken a lot of different random classes all over the the interwebs, but this has been my favorite. And in particular, they have a class called programming for non-programmers. So if you have any inclination about dipping your toe into technology, or you're interested in starting a software company someday, or just learning to build your own sites from scratch, I highly recommend checking out one month. The classes are all really easy in bite-sized pieces, and they're all designed to be finished in one month, just like an hour to a day for one month. And you can learn a new programming language or a new skill set. So that's just like, we don't, you know, we're not getting paid to plug any of these things. These are just resources that we we love ourselves. So that's our hustle for today. And let me just add that I'm sure a lot of our listeners are in the health and wellness space and probably just tuned out to what you said, thinking, I am not going to learn how to code. But the value is that in in one of their courses, it's just a it's a, a, a coding course for non-coders. And they you can just learn a little bit of HTML, which is really helpful when you have your own website. So just, you know, when you've got that little sort of edit box and you can like click the little button that says view code, you can go in and there, you can, you know, you, it's just really helpful to understand some basic, basic things. So it, it's yeah. not only for those people who want to code and actually create something with code, even some basic HTML or CSS understanding is really helpful with your own websites. And I just think if you have any desire whatsoever, just dive in and explore it. Watch a few of the like explainer videos about the classes and see if it might be right for you. I think we're moving into a day and age where I think it's it's becoming a cultural norm to have some amount of exposure to technology. And for those other parents who are listening too, I I mean, just from a perspective of being an example to your children. I know my daughter is already coding, doing coding games. She's four years old. And I know, Sandy, that your son, Owen, is too. So, you know, like it's it's also just we're, we're both moms. And it's something that I think we're trying to be examples to our children too. So anyway, that's our hustle. And that's our joy. And this has been the Soulful MBA podcast. And we look forward to seeing you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye. Soulful MBA is not just the name of our podcast. It's also the name of our premium business course and community. 
If you are a wellness entrepreneur who dreams of growing your business online, but you're not clear on your next steps and you wish you had someone to guide you, then we've got something for you. Get Soulful MBA's first syllabus and three free video lessons by heading over to soulful.mba sample. Da 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 da